This is the Building Management Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you education, information, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. As people become more comfortable in the home building automation space, they want to be able to take this commercial as well. Regardless of the ups and downs in the stock market, if these manufacturers, these plants, and these entities want to stay open, they need water. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Market Scale Building Management Podcast. We have a lot of great stuff coming up on the show today. First and foremost, we're going to take a look at Dallas Love Field. It's an airport here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and they've adopted IRA Access, which is a way for visually impaired travelers to get around the airport. And so it's a new technology, and it's really something that is interesting. And I'm curious to see if more places are going to start adopting this kind of technology to make themselves accessible to everybody and to try to uh, kind of even out that playing field, I suppose. And so that's going to be the first feature on today's show. I'm going to speak to Chris. Perry. He's one of the communications managers there at Dallas Love Field. And I think he's going to do a good job of just explaining how this works and what makes it such a good idea for the airport. So that's going to be the first feature on today's episode. Just a quick little conversation with Chris Perry. Then I'm going to talk to Jay Bassin. He's a home automation expert. And we're going to speak about how to make sure that the air in homes is as clean as possible. And he has some pretty surprising statistics and some surprising quotes from the EPA talking about the quality of the air inside your home. So that's a really, really big deal. And so we're going to discuss that today. How can you make sure that the air inside of a home is as clean as possible? How can you make sure that your filter is what it needs to be? And what kind of technology is out there to really monitor the quality of the air inside of a home? So that is what's coming up here on the Building Management Podcast today. But without further ado, let's dive into that conversation with Chris Perry, the Communications Manager for the Department of Aviation at Dallas Lovefield Airport, coming up next here on the Market Scale Building Management Podcast. podcast is Chris Perry. He's the communications manager for the Department of Aviation at Dallas Love Field. Chris, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. Happy to do it, Tyler. So today we are talking about Love Field's adoption of IRA access to help visually impaired passengers. Chris, can you just explain a little bit more about what IRA is and how it works? Sure. So, you know, at Dallas Love Field, we're always trying to be on the cutting edge, uh, look for innovative ways to improve our customer experience. And uh, joining the IRA airport network and, and implementing IRA access at the airports, uh, another way we're doing that. Uh, it's a kind of an augmented reality um, way for blind and low vision passengers who come to the airport to work their way through the airport um, at the help of a live agent. So when they enter the airport property, um, they have the IRA app, which is a free app. Uh, it can be downloaded on a smartphone. They'll receive a notification that they're in an IRA-enabled facility, uh, at which point um, those customers, should they choose, can then connect with a live agent uh, using the camera on their smartphone. will then hold that up, and the agent will tell them what's in front of them and just walk them through all aspects of the airport experience from checking a bag to going through security, want to get something to eat, making their way to their gate. Uh, a live agent will walk them uh, completely through that. Um, so like I said, kind of an augmented reality um, type thing uh, or artificial intelligence, if you will. Um, but for us, you know, as the airport, um, we're handling uh, the cost of how much it's used. So it's free for our customers and just a way for us to provide uh, an innovative customer experience for uh, people of all walks of life. 
Yeah, that's really great. Did anything exist for visually impaired uh, passengers and customers before now? Um, not really. You know, we have a uh, we have a service that will help um, people who need assistance to the airport. Uh, should that be in a wheelchair or something like that? So, um, you know, those people would have helped out as well, or still would uh, if people so choose. But um, this is kind of a, I guess, a newer age way of of doing it. Absolutely. Now. Um... Uh, is the agent located in like a central IRA office location or are they in DFW? Uh, that's the way I understand it. Yes. Mm-hmm. I believe IRA is based out of Washington, DC. Okay. Um, so, uh, I'm not exactly sure where their call center is, but that's how it would work. And then there is a paid model as well, um, where IRA customers can, can choose for, to get a subscription based model in which they can use the service at in any, in any place or uh, purchase some smart glasses. So it doesn't actually have to be within an, an IRA enabled facility. Interesting. Okay. And uh, are there, are there other airports and other facilities uh, using this kind of technology or is uh, Lovefield kind of one of the first to adopt it? Uh, as of now, there's a, uh... About 40 airports, a little less than 40 airports that have it. Mm-hmm. Um, we're the first one in North Texas. Uh, both the airports are partner airports, Houston Hobby and, and Bush Intercontinental down in, in Houston. Uh, both have enabled IRA. So we're happy to join uh, and kind of be on the cutting edge here in North Texas uh, among our major airports. And then AT&T Stadium over in Arlington, another IRA-enabled facility. Oh, really? So yeah, definitely a, another hot attraction around DFW. That's really interesting. Uh, are there any other ways um, that you've kind of seen in your time at Love Field or, or anything along those lines that uh, facilities are being improved to be more inclusive for uh, visually impaired or, or you know people that need wheelchairs or things along those lines? Are there any, any other ways that you've seen that uh, we are advancing in that way? Uh, I think, you know, as we built our new terminal uh, leading into the expiration of the ride amendment in 2014, mm-hmm. uh, that was certainly in mind, you know, uh, being a city facility, a public facility, um, staying up to date with our ADA compliance is very important to us. So anytime we do some new signage or um, make any changes around the terminal, that that's something we're always thinking about. We've got a priority boarding lane uh, at our security checkpoint um, for those passengers who may need wheelchair assistance coming through. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's something we're always thinking about, um, and always looking for ways, you know, we're putting in new signage throughout the airport, new wayfinding, um, currently, uh, in a partnership with Southwest airlines. And so certainly always, you know, thinking about that, keeping all customers in mind, um, anytime we make a terminal improvement. Absolutely. Well, Chris Perry, communications manager at the department of aviation for Dallas Lovefield. Thank you so much for joining us and just explaining this new technology and explaining how, um, Dallas Left Field is going to be much more accessible now for visually impaired passengers, and I think that that is a great improvement. So thank you so much for the time today. We appreciate it. You're welcome, Tyler. Anytime. Thank you so much to Chris Perry from Dallas Lovefield Airport for joining us here on the Market Scale Building Management Podcast. Coming up next, I'm going to talk to Jay Basson, and he is a home automation expert. And we're really going to talk about the quality of the air inside of a home, how you can measure it, and how you can make sure you're doing everything that you can to ensure that the air inside your home is clean and quality and able to be breathed without uh, giving you any kind of diseases or anything along those lines. And so he's really, really knowledgeable in this topic, and I think he's going to do a good job of just giving us uh, the information that people need to know to make sure that the air inside of your home is clean and quality. 
So we're going to have that conversation here coming up next on the Market Scale Building Management Podcast. Joining me now here on the Building Management Podcast is Jay Basson. He's an industry thought leader, and you can find his writings at topicsinhomeautomation.blogspot.com. Jay, thank you so much for joining the podcast today, sir. Oh, thank you. Absolutely. So today we are talking indoor air quality and HVAC efficiency. So, um, Jay, let's just start off by talking. What are some of the pollutants and air pollutants that find their way into homes? Well, before I hit that, let me give a little bit of background on why this is an important topic. Yeah. And so according to the Environmental Protection Agency, the air inside a home may be up to five times more polluted than the air outside a home. Just two days ago, an article was published on the Forbes magazine website by Jessica Barron titled, Bringing Attention to Indoor Air Pollution. In that article, she quoted an ongoing scientific study by the University of Colorado at Boulder that said, routine generates significant levels of volatile and particulate chemicals inside the average home, leading to indoor air quality levels on par with a polluted major city. Wow. And yeah, indoor air quality is even more of an issue for the elderly. The EPA states, as people age, their bodies are less able to compensate for the effects of environmental hazards. Air pollution can aggravate heart disease and stroke, lung diseases such as chronic obstructive pulmonary disease and asthma and diabetes. This leads to increased medication use, more visits to healthcare providers, admissions to emergency rooms and hospitals, and even death. So given that as a background, now I'll hit your question with <laughs> what are the different pollutants what are the different pollutants in a home right um, the, the first is particulate matter and this is divided into two categories. The first is called PM10 and these are particles less than 10 microns in diameter mm-hmm. they include dust, pollen mold. The second is particulate matter is PM2.5. And these are particles less than 2.5 microns in diameter. This includes secondhand smoke, car exhaust. An issue in the area of the country that I live in is smoke from wildfires. Mm -hmm. And these are the most dangerous particulates since they can lodge deep in your lungs and even in some cases be absorbed into the bloodstream. A second pollutant uh, that you have to worry about is carbon monoxide. This is a colorless and odorless gas that's generated from incomplete combustion. Um, Some sources are poorly vented furnaces, base heaters, and gas stoves. Even the exhaust from a nearby road can be a source of carbon monoxide in a home when you have the windows open. Um, And and the bad side is is that in high concentrations, uh, carbon monoxide can be fatal. Right. Right. Um, a third pollutant that people don't even think about is excess moisture. High humidity in a home can condense on cool walls and windows. It causes mold, mildew. It allows dust, dust mites to grow, and all of these can lead to issues with allergies and asthma. Only two left. <laughs> fourth <laughs> is, is a volatile organic compound, also known as VOCs. 
VOCs include formaldehyde, which can be emitted by building materials, furnishings, and even carpeting. There was a case a number of years ago where drywall made in China was emitting formaldehyde and making people sick in brand new homes. Um, cooking byproducts, such as the smell of frying onions, um, is a form of VOCs, uh, clean VOCs. And then finally, radon. Radon is a radioactive gas that is generated naturally in the soil mm-hmm. and enters houses from the ground. Um, it's the second leading cause of lung cancer in the U.S. behind smoking. Um, but it's more of an issue in certain parts of the country and can even vary um, in from house to house in a neighborhood. Wow. So that's your list. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's quite a that's quite a list and that actually really drives home the point that it is really important to make sure that the air inside your house is clean but more than anything now my question is uh, are there ways to measure and to monitor the quality of the air inside your home because now I have no idea uh, I'm thinking about going back home to, to my house today and I'm wondering uh, how can I measure and really figure out what kind of uh, quality the air inside my house is yeah, fortunately, there are. Um, two of the most popular um, Internet of Things air quality monitors are the FUBA and the AWARE monitors. Mm-hmm. They both include sensors for PM 2.5 particulates, VOC, temperature, and humidity. Um, I recently purchased a FUBA for testing in my own home. It has an open a- API that you can integrate with um, system other um, systems pretty easily and a very well done if integration. Um, I even for if, for the Crestron programmers out there, um, I wrote a Crestron module to to gather data from one, and I've thrown that up on my GitHub, which is GitHub.com/slash/letterJBASEN. So you can download that one for free. Awesome. Um, another another air quality monitor that is specific to particulates is um, a, made by a company called Dylos, D-Y-L-O-S. This is a true laser particle counter sensor capable of measuring very small particulates. It's a much superior sensor to the types used in the FUBOT and the AWARE monitors, but it doesn't include measurements of any of the other pollutants. It also has a much more industrial design, not something you would want uh, visible in your living room. Mm-hmm. Um for carbon monoxide, there are a wealth of choices out there. In many cases, you know, any homeowner can walk into their big box um, hardware retailer and find a combination smoke detector and carbon monoxide detector to just um, put in their house, and they're very inexpensive. Um, radon, it's typically measured by purchasing a little one-time-use testing kit at a hardware store that is mailed into a lab for analysis. And um, the only home sensor I'm aware of is the AirThings Wave Smart Radon Detector. And this measures radon, temperature, and humidity in a home. Okay, so now what? Now I'm wondering, um, when it comes to HVAC systems, and sometimes people either replace their HVAC systems or you know when a home is being built and one is being installed, what things should be considered and what options are there when it comes to HVAC systems and making sure that you are breathing clean air in your home? Yeah, an HVAC system won't solve all your indoor air quality problems mm-hmm. first. You know, carbon monoxide, if your carbon monoxide detector sounds off, 
you need to get out of your house. <laughs> right, um, right. Carbon monoxide is just really, really dangerous. And it's a gas. So an HVAC system can't do anything to clean that up. Um, if you can just throw some windows open, um, or if you had a, you know, some sort of a, something that was burning something running in your home, you know, just shut that off, but get, get out of there and get the problem dealt with. Um, you know, once you're, once the air in your home has had a chance to, to, you know, turn over a little bit. Um, you know, radon is another one. Radon, you need to have a proper mitigation system installed by a professional. If the house has a basement with a cement floor, the system will be installed to actively vent the air from below the floor through PVC piping to outside the home. And if the house has a crawl space like mine does with a dirt floor in it, then they cover the whole floor, uh, dirt floor with plastic sheeting, and then they vent the uh, air from beneath the uh, sheeting mm -hmm. to the outside of the home. But now with the right filter in a forced HVAC system, um, you can actually, you know, clean a lot of other things out of the air in, in your uh, in your home because an HVAC system that's properly sized for a home will actually filter all the air in the home in about two hours. You know, so now it gets down to choosing the right HVAC filter, you know, for for cleaning. Um, furnace filters are based are rated on their efficiency. Mm -hmm. uh, the rating is called the Minimum Efficiency Reporting Value, or, or MERV. Um, ratings for HVAC filters run from 1 to 16, where the higher the number, the more the filter has uh, a capacity for filtering out smaller particles. Now, MERV 1 to 8 filters that you typically see in the home center are, are ineffective at filtering out PM 2.5 particles. Okay. And the Department of Energy recommends using a MERV 13 rated filter in your home HVAC system. Hmm. The MERV 13 filter can remove 90% of, of particles that are 1 to 3 microns in diameter, but less than 75% of particles that are 0.3 to 1 micron in diameter. So, again, it falls off. Um, but even a MERV 13 HVAC filter will not remove VOCs um, from the air in your home. They sell special filters that also include activated carbon. Um, and in the filter that I bought for my own system from Amazon, there's like an extra activated carbon filter layer below the standard MERV 13 rated filter layer for filtering out particulates. Now, would I be correct in assuming that the higher the MERV level, the uh, the more, I, I suppose, strained the air is that goes through it? So you might lose some on the efficiency end, or you might expect to see a higher uh, utilities bill the higher that your, your MERV rating uh, is on your filter? Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the big, the, the, you know, because the, the immediate question someone would ask is, well, I'll just go out and buy a MERV 16 filter. I can filter as you know, everything. Right. But those filters, can, you know, as you get, the number goes up, the more restrictive the filter gets. And an overly restricted filter can increase the energy used by the blower trying to move air through the system. It reduces your comfort as the HVAC system is unable to properly distribute air through the home. 
And in extreme circumstances, it can lead to icing of the air conditioner cooling coils in the summer or even a cracked heat exchanger during the winter. Hmm. Um, to complicate things, not all filters are created equally. And one manufacturer's filters can be more restrictive than another's, even at the same MERV rating. So to truly test if an HVAC system will work properly with a high MERV filter requires a professional to come in and to test the back pressure across the filter and the airflow to each vent in the home to make sure it's still distributing air properly. But a homeowner can do a basic test themselves. Um, it's, basic, it's best done with two people where one swaps between a normal filter and a high MERV filter and a second person sits there and goes to each vent in the home and sees, you know, whether the, when they swap the, to the high MERV filter, the airflow changes significantly. Ah, uh, yeah. You know, yeah. if it, if the, if the person, if the person can't tell the difference when the two filters are changed, then the fil- then the HVAC system is probably sized and has a strong enough uh, blower system um, that you're probably okay. But if there's any question, you should call in a professional because you don't want to damage your HVAC system. Right, right. Now, now oh yeah, sir, there, go ahead. There, if you if if someone goes through this and finds that their HVAC system can't tolerate a high MERV filter, there are a couple of options for them. Mm. Um, the first is that professional HVAC people will will sell electrostatic filters, and these typically cost 750 bucks and up plus the installation. Um, so it's a pricey option for people. Um, another option that I recently found on Indiegogo is the Alvi, that's A-L-V-I, smart filter. Um, this is also an electrostatic filter, but it's designed as a complete replacement for your standard filter, and it has its own little replacement filter cartridge. The homeowner simply drops this in. Instead of their normal filter, you have to plug it into um, an outlet, and then the, they just have to periodically replace the cartridge in the uh, filter. Um, it's an emerging product with an expected delivery of October 2019. So time will tell if it meets up with all the expectations. But when I looked at it, it looked very, and talked to the people that were building it. It looks very promising. Wow, that's uh, that's an interesting product, and that's that's really exciting. Um, now, for the, for the yeah. one that you mentioned, that is uh, that was seven hundred and fifty dollars. Is that do you have to replace that on a normal um, on a normal schedule that uh, that you would normally replace an air filter? No, they um, they're they're cleanable. Okay, okay, that's uh, that's at least a relief. Now, maybe you can help uh, yeah. settle. <laughs> maybe you can help settle an argument between uh, that goes on in my home between my wife and I. How often do you need to change the air filters? Uh, in your opinion. Um, how often do they need to, uh, do they need to be swapped out? Um, well, if you're just changing it on a monthly basis or a six month basis or whatever, you're guessing. Mm-hmm. Now the Alvi system is sort of neat and it includes a built-in optical sensor that monitors the filter and will notify you through their, through their app when the filter cartridge needs to be replaced. Um, but if you're using a conventional filter, um, in your in your uh, HVAC system, then there's a product called Filter Scan. It's all one word, and you can buy it online. And it installs um, just before the filter on your HVAC system, and it monitors the change in back pressure over time 
as the filter becomes clogged with dust. And it then notifies you with an email or text message to a cloud service when your filter needs to be replaced. And I'm trying one out and installed it on my own system. And um, I can see it through their website as my filter, you know, as time has been elapsing, it can, I can see that it's slowly, be, my filter is slowly getting more and more clogged. Mm-hmm. And I'm just waiting for that text message to come in when I have to replace my filter. <laughs> are, are you going to are you going to uh, write something up about uh, about that product on your blog at all? Um, yes, actually, in about two weeks from now, I'm going to be publishing an article on in uh, Residential Tech Today magazine's website. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's going to go into all the all the material I covered today, um, talking to you, plus a lot more detail that I couldn't go into, you know, just in a, in a conversation kind of situation. Sure. Um, and that'll be on their website and also be published on my blog in two weeks. And that is topics in home, home Is that right? That's correct. Excellent. Well, that is Jay Basson, and he is uh, the expert in all things home automation, but really helping us understand HVAC systems today. Jay, thank you so much for joining the Market Skill Building Management Podcast today, sir. Great. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you so much to Jay Basson for joining us on the show today. And thank you listeners for listening in on this episode. That's all we have time for for this week's episode of the Market Scale Building Management Podcast. We appreciate you listening very, very much. As always, we'll be back soon with another episode of the Building Management Podcast. But to hold you over until then, go check out that Market Scale Building Management Vertical Industry page. There you'll be able to find lots more podcasts like this, also written content, videos, lots of different stuff for you to enjoy up until our next episode. So hang tight, enjoy that content there on the Market Scale website, and we'll be back soon with another episode of the Market Scale Building Management Podcast. But until then, I've been your host today, Tyler Kern. Thanks for listening.